Thanks, Rach. I'm so grateful you guys are here today. Uh, we're starting a new teaching series entitled, entitled Immeasurably More. And we're going to teach today out of Mark chapter 4. Now, in, in Mark chapter 4, there's a story that if you've been in church much in your life, you've probably heard this story multiple times. But the story today is more about who the story is focusing on than the story itself. Because we're going to use for the next few weeks this series, Immeasurably More, to talk about the miracles of Jesus and some of those miracles and what it means. Now, it's interesting to me that when we look at miracles, oftentimes we just assume these happened in Bible times. I'll never forget, I was doing a, uh, I was doing a coach's Bible study at Lanier one morning, and one of the coaches, when I stopped and said, let's have a Q&A time, one of the coaches said, what I want to know, Chuck, is how come after all these years I've gone to church, there's only like 12 stories I hear over and over again? I mean, that's a pretty good question, right? And one of, the, one of those reasons is that inside of the four first books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are, is the story of Jesus. I'm one of those people that believes from Genesis all the way to the back of maps, this is an inspired and inerrant word of God. But I also believe because of that, that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, inside of that are the, is the story found of Jesus himself. And those words that Jesus spoke and those things that Jesus did while he lived here physically on this earth as all human, all man, those things are weightier in our life because they have such significant impact in our life. And so when you look at this, we try to paint this picture that here at Sugar Hill, one of the things we say is that Jesus is the biggest deal of all things, that we are a church that believes we're a Jesus is enough kind of church. When people say, well, what kind of church is Sugar Hill Church? One of the things we say is we're a Jesus is enough kind of church. You say, well, are you, are you Pentecostal? Are you Presbyterian? Are you Methodist? Are you Baptist? Are you whatever? And the answer is we're a Jesus is enough kind of church. And the reason we're a Jesus is enough kind of church is that we believe with all of our heart that Jesus is enough. That when we get Jesus in the right priority in our life, we get most everything else in our life, if not all things in life, sorted out and headed in the right direction because he is the center of everything. Now, to get the picture of Jesus and how we view Jesus, we have to go all the way back to the start of creation. So the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 1-1 says that God created the heavens and the earth. Now, maybe you're here today and you'd say, well, did God do that? in six literal 24 hours. Well, I don't know that for a fact, but let's just say you believe that for a fact. I'm totally good with that. What if you're here today and you say, well, what if, what if God chose to clap his hands real big and speak it all into existence and it all happened just like it said in the scriptures, but he did it that way? Then I'm okay with that too. But the reason I'm okay is that God created the heavens and the earth. Are you with me? The big issue here is God created the heavens and the earth. And you say, okay, but that's God, you know, like the man that we refer to as the man upstairs, which is a total mischaracterization of God. But God was there at the beginning, but it wasn't just one part of God. It was all three parts of God. The gospel of John says in the fourth gospel, the fourth book of the New Testament, that in the beginning there at the creation was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And so what we get from that is, what is this thing, the Word? Well, literally, we're talking about the second part of God, God the Father, creator and sustainer. Now, we also recognize 
the Word was there, which is Jesus, God the Son, the second part, God the Son, Savior and Redeemer. Then watch this. All of creation has happened. All of the Old Testament has happened. And now the story and the Gospels happen where Jesus leaves heaven because God the Father wants his redeeming plan to happen through his son. You say, well, redeeming plan, what, what are you talking about? So here we are in our own little world, and all of us have gone astray from God's desire for our life, unless you are here and you think you're perfect. And if so, you've definitely gone astray because you're a liar. Isn't that a beautiful picture to start off on? Like, I love it when people say, well, I'm never going to church because it's just full of hypocrites. And my answer is, well, yeah, come on and join us. Like, <laughs> of course we are, right? I mean, I mean, if, if you're in here today and say, I am not a hypocrite, Chuck, well, yeah, you just made yourself one, right? Because, I mean, none of us are perfect. So in that imperfection, Jesus comes onto the scene at Christmas, and all of a sudden, he lives this sinless, perfect life. And because there has to be a price for our sinful ways, choosing to not go God's way, somebody has to pay the price for it. Well, God allows the second part of God, Jesus the Son, to die, and the shedding of his blood is what pays for our sin. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't deserve it, but we did. But he said, I love you so much, so he dies in our place, sheds his blood, buried in a barred tomb, and three days later, raises from the dead, 40 days, hangs around with people here where hundreds of people witness and see him, and then he returns to heaven where today he's sitting beside God the Father praying for you right now. All right, now think about that. God the Son is sitting beside God the Father in heaven praying for you right now. You say, well, I thought there were three parts of God. All right, so Jesus, who hangs around here for 40 days, is telling his guys, hey, I'm about to leave, and I'm going to go back to the Father. But when I leave, I'm going to send you a gift, and you're going to know this gift as God the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So now we can see that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all were together, have always been together. God the Father sent God the Son to give us his redemption plan to redeem us, to bring us out of our sinful ways and forgive us. And then when he returns to the Father, leaves us his spirit to live and dwell within us. So I'm thinking, okay, whatever we do, let's don't mess that story up, right? Like, don't mess that story up with denominational issues. Don't mess that story up with politics. Don't mess that story up with anything because this is the main thing in life. If we get Jesus in the right order in our life, we'll get everything else right. So the story today is about the presence of Jesus, not just the miracle. So in Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35, the story unpacks itself, and Jesus gives us a picture of what's going on here on earth while he's hanging out with his disciples. So for days, the stories leading up to this part of Mark 4 tells us that Jesus has been traveling, he's been healing people, he's been preaching, and he's exhausted. You say, well, wait a minute, if he is all God and he can do all these miracles, if he was there at creation, why is he tired? Great question, right? Well, now watch this. So when Jesus shows up on the scene, for him to experience everything that we've ever experienced, 
Jesus would have to come in the form of a human person. So he comes and is born of a virgin in this nasty little stall, and we celebrate O Holy Night. And then at age 12, he shows up at the temple and he blows their mind. And then later in life, he begins his ministry. And through all of this that's going on, watch this, Jesus is 100% human while simultaneously being 100% God at the same time. This is why he's not the man upstairs, because he is fully God and he is fully man simultaneously. Now, this is when you should say, well, Chuck, how did they do that? I don't know. But I know this, that this is the story of God's redemption plan. And now Jesus, fully human, is tired. But Jesus, fully God, is with Jesus, fully human, in this boat. And Jesus has said to his disciples, let's cross across the Sea of Galilee, this big lake. And when we get to the other side, let's rest. So they get in the boat. And Jesus gets in the back of the boat, finds a cushion, puts his head on the cushion, and immediately falls asleep. Now, this is important because when Jesus gets in the boat, being fully human, he wants to take a nap, saying to all of us that are just pressing through all of your productivity and making sure that you get all of your I's dotted, all your T's crossed, that if Jesus needed a nap, you do too. Not one amen? Because I'm looking at some tired people right? I mean, the, that one little boy, the baby, Bo, that we, that we dedicated at nine o'clock was in the video when he was looking around while the whole family's talking. Some of y'all are doing that right now. Your eyes are rolled back in your head and you're just like, <clears throat> right? But here's the reminder. What, sometimes you got to stop. So Jesus gets in the boat. He falls asleep in the back of the boat. And Jesus knows, being 100% God, that the storm is coming. He gets in the boat knowing the storm is coming. So let's take a look at what the scriptures have to tell us in verse 35 in Mark chapter 4. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. Now that's a pretty important note right here. Don't miss this. Because if you're not careful, you're going to think that Jesus's miracles are all about you. And sometimes they are. But I will promise you, they're always about you and those people around you. You see, yes, the story focuses on Jesus and the disciples in the boat, but there were plenty of other boats on the lake at that same time. So they were experiencing the storm too. Listen, you're not the only one going through difficult times. If you look left, right, back, and forward, you know what you would find? People that are in a mess. I know that because we're human. I don't know anybody who doesn't have their own junk going on. I, it, I, you can look at people and you can think, man, now they've got their stuff together. I'll promise you, there's somewhere in their life they don't. We're human. We're going to find times when we get in the boat, we know the storm is coming. But it always affects other people too. The storm in my life affects me, my children, my grandchildren, my church, my friends, my city. It affects everything. And when you see this, you begin to understand the power of why you need Jesus in the boat with you. So the scripture goes on and says in verse 37, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. 
Now, some of your, uh, some of your translation says, peace, be still. Same thing. Like, I, I've always wanted to know what Jesus's inflection was when he said that. Like, if you grew up in the kind of church I grew up in, I had this big, booming pastor who would say it like this, peace, be still. And I thought, yeah, I mean, he's even scaring me, right? But I have this sneaking suspicion that Jesus did it kind of like this. Now, you know, neither my pastor nor me are probably right on this, but in my mind, I can, I can hear Jesus saying, hey, stop it, stop, right? And it's like all of a sudden the wind stops and the, and, and, and the lightning stops and the thunder stops and the waves get still. And you ever had one of those times where everything's really noisy and then all of a sudden it's like, boof, it's quiet. And you're like, oh, how wonderful is that? So now that I'm an old man, I, I have hearing aids, right? And the reason I have hearing aids is that Jenny and I were having a lot of old people conversations. They all started with this, what? And they would end with, sure, right? We're sitting at this luncheon one time. I'd just spoken at this deal, and this guy's sitting next to me. And um, I don't know this. I think he's talking about power routines, the little devotional books. But he's just going on, and I'm saying, yeah, they're great little resources for you. I'd encourage you to get them. And Jenny is, she's not just like, she's punching me with her elbow. I'm like, baby, What? And, and she says, he doesn't care about power teens. He's trying to give the church some money. So I immediately turned around and said, sure, we'll take your money. Yes. Sometimes you need to hear, right? So the other night we're at a restaurant and it's getting loud around the restaurant. I pull out my little iPhone and I hit my little button and everything around me kind of goes dull and I can hear Jenny and it's like, oh, you ever been there? Just wait, it's coming, you know? But imagine the, the storm that is just literally swamping the boat, and Jesus says, stop it, and it stops. I mean, one of the most beautiful things in this story is to recognize Jesus is Lord over the cosmos of the world. I mean, he's in charge. He was there at the beginning. He created it all. He can speak it into silence. How awesome is this? And the story goes on, the story goes on and says, suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Jesus is Lord over the cosmos, not just the people in the boat. But how great is it to have Jesus in the boat with you who is over all the cosmos, who can still the storm that's swamping you at that moment. And the, the question that each of us have to wrestle with is the same things that the disciples asked, who is this guy? What am I going to do with him? Do I believe that God the Father sent God the Son who left me, God the Holy Spirit, so that I could be in right relation with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in such a way that the Spirit of God could lead me and direct me, and because of that, he could still the storms in my life even when my boat is sinking. Now, I know what it's like to sink a boat at 13 in a river, in a John boat, where I was not supposed to be and told not to go. I know that shocks many of you, but I remember as the water washed in that boat and it went below, and my immediate thought was, how am I going to explain this? And I thought, well, there's, there's, there's no explanation. 
So I kind of get the disciples being totally freaked out, but I do have this question. When they knew they needed a miracle and they turned to Jesus, they called him teacher. I mean, they didn't look at him and say, Lord. They didn't look at him and, and say, Jesus. They didn't look at him and say, God. They looked at him and said, teacher. Because remember, Jesus started his ministry as a rabbi. And they had been chosen by a rabbi to follow him. That was the way it worked. So they looked to the rabbi for what am I supposed to do? And then Jesus, of course, delivers on the miracle. Now, I thought I would take a look at what a miracle is. And so when I began looking this up, I found this definition. I thought it was pretty awesome. A miracle by definition is an extraordinary event, a creative deviation from God's natural ways of working. If miracles were to become commonplace, they'd cease to be miracles, right? I mean, C.S. Lewis described miracles when he said they are supernatural events. Now, oftentimes, especially those of us in the, in the evangelical church, we love to explain away miracles as if that's not what really happened. It's metaphorical. You just need to understand. But I'm a biblical literalist. I believe from Genesis to maps, everything in there is God-inspired. And as a result, I believe God literally, through the power of his son, said in that boat, stop it, and all of creation listened and stopped. Having said that then, I have to know that when miracles happen, we should stop and see them for what they are, and we should measure them to understand this one thing, how they are always immeasurably more than all we could hope for. You ever been in one of those times where it just seems like, okay, God lined all that up and you just had no other choice but to stop and say, wow, God, that was very cool. I've had those moments in my life where it could be something incredibly small, but at the moment to stop and rather than humanly trying to explain them away, be able to recognize them for what they are, measure them for what they are, and then react in such a way that I give God glory. God, thank you. That was awesome, right? But now here's what's more important than all of creation stopping. And this is where I think we totally miss it in the American church. And that is this. The true miracle is not that the wave stopped, that the wind stopped, that the lightning and the thunder and the rain stopped. The greatest miracle is that Jesus, 100% God, 100% man, is in the boat with them before the storm, in the storm, and after the storm. And that tells me that whatever storm you're in, Jesus was there before, he's there with you now, and he'll be with you through the end. And the question you have to wrestle with this day is this, do I believe Jesus is who he claimed to be, and what am I going to do about it? Amen. Because at some point, we all find ourselves in a storm, and we all need to figure this out. But this miracle that's going on, think about it. Today, we can put people on the moon. We can put things on Mars. We can shoot a probe so far into space that it exits our galaxy. I find it fascinating that I can pull up my iPhone and watch live television. And I'm so old, I can remember when you only got four channels and you needed to put aluminum foil on the rabbit ears. But now watch this. But the miracle is that the one that created it all, the one that can redeem it all, the one who is in heaven praying for me right now because of his presence and the gift of his Holy Spirit lives within me. Now that's the miracle. 
The miracle, yes, is wonderful that the storm stopped, but it's a greater miracle that Jesus himself came to be in this earth so that he could be in the boat, so that he could stop the storm, and he could look at them and us today and say, where is your faith? And our answer is, but who could do that? Who is that man? So let's not make the mistake of thinking that the miracle is the miracle because the miracle is Jesus. Jesus is the miracle. So if you're here today and you think, I need a miracle in my life, I need a miracle in my marriage, I need a miracle with my kid who's gone astray, I need a miracle to figure out what to do with mom and dad as they've aged, I gotta have a miracle with my health, I gotta have a miracle with my finances. I just, and I just don't know, Chuck, I hear these stories of all these miracles that happen, but does God really give a hoot today? Where's my miracle? And the answer is, where is Jesus in your life and what do you believe about him? Because he's in the boat with you And are you still asking the question, who is this man? Or have you settled that in your heart to say, that is Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Lord of the world. He is the Son of the living God, who was born of a virgin, lived sinlessly and perfectly, gave his life and shed his blood for the forgiveness of my sin, was buried in a borrowed tomb, pushed the rock away with his breath, hung around for 40 days, left and went to heaven, and is sitting beside God right now praying for you. Do you settle that in your heart or not? Because that, my friend, that's the miracle. That's the miracle. When it comes to discussing miracles, we have to fight against the tendency to apply our 21st century mindset to the situation and say, this must be symbolic. This didn't really happen. I stop and I think to myself, how does Jenny enter into my life? I mean, that that was the weirdest miracle of all time. I mean, truly, you think stopping a storm? I mean, somehow God puts me and her together and I'm thinking, okay, that is God, well done, cool miracle, right? How in the world does God allow some knucklehead like me have the privilege to pastor a great church like this? You know what, that's a miracle. I mean, how how in the world does a church like this pack a half million meals, hundreds of meals every weekend? How does a church how does a church like this know that there are churches meeting in Haiti? There are churches today that are meeting in Puerto Rico. There are three churches in the United States. There are churches in the Yucatan, and there are churches on both sides of Africa, all because this some little church in Sugar Hill Church in Sugar Hill, Georgia, decided. The miracle is Jesus. Let's give, let's give the miracle away. How, how, how are we on public schools praying? How are we blessed to be in a city where literally the other night when I'm at a city council meeting and the mayor of the city is opening up a city council meeting praying in the name of Jesus? And I'm thinking, that alone is a miracle. But I look at all of this and I'm reminded of this one thing. Listen to me. It's not because we're Sugar Hill Church and it's no, in no way related to the fact that I get to be the pastor. It, all of that happens because of the presence and the power and the miracle of Jesus himself, period. That's the only way all that happens. But that is miraculous. 
Every time I see a dad choose to give his life to Christ and restore a family, that's a miracle. Every time I see a wayward kid, an adolescent, back home and restoring a family, that's a miracle. Every time I see a mom choose to live for Jesus and sit and pray with her kids, that's a miracle. Every time I see a senior adult that recognizes God's still at work and I want to be used by God, that's a miracle. And I think to myself, I don't want to miss the miracle, do you? I don't want to miss the miracle. I mean, this miracle, you could say, well, Chuck, you know what? That's just Bible stuff. But now there are all kinds of things that happen. Remember, there are tons of other boats out on the water too. They experienced it. None, none of them said that didn't happen. I mean, if you think about it, the Bible gives us time of day. The Bible tells us how Jesus was laying. The Bible tells us that the disciples are not the hero, but Jesus is. Which, by the way, anytime you're listening to anybody preach the word of God, if, they're the, if they are the hero, be careful. Because there's only one hero in this book, and his name is Jesus, Amen. period. And so in the middle of all this, we see that there are all kinds of ways where people could refute this miracle, but that's not the case. This isn't simply a lesson about Jesus helping us find peace in the middle of a storm. This is a story about Jesus. You could stop right there. The fact that Jesus was in the boat when the storm came, that's the story. The fact that Jesus was there when the storm was gone, that's the story. Because while he's in the boat, verse 37 says, but a storm came up and it was mighty and it was powerful. We've all had those in our lives. You've had storms blow into your life that you didn't see coming. And you just thought, what am I going to do now? And the first step is to recognize this. Jesus was there before, he is there now, and he'll be there long after. Who do I turn in my storm? I turn to none other than the son of the living God, Jesus. Fully God, fully man. How do I know he's fully man? He's tired. How do I know he's fully God? All the cosmos listened to him. He rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stops and there was a great calm. Imagine the roaring of the sea and all that happening and Jesus just says, come on, stop. That's enough. And all of a sudden you're safe again. And you know what I would think to myself? Now that's a pretty cool miracle. These little children, they're, they're miracles. The fact that God's given you a soulmate for life, that's a miracle. The fact that he has one waiting for you, that's a miracle. The fact that he loves you in spite of yourself, that's a miracle. The fact that he wants to be in the boat with you, that's a miracle. But when it's all said and done, it says the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. The story ends with the most thought-provoking question, who is this man? What are we going to do with this man? You remember what they said? Teacher. Don't you care that we're in a storm? Sometimes I think we need to recognize Jesus didn't come to keep you out of storms. Jesus came to go into storms with you. Jesus didn't come to keep you out of the boat. Jesus came to get in the boat with you. Jesus didn't come to keep you out of the mess. He came to walk through the mess with you. Jesus didn't come to keep you from having difficulties. He came to bring you through them. Amen. And the question is, how, how much are you going to trust him? Or is it going to be, teacher, don't you really care? Or will it be, Lord, I trust you? And he says, silence, be still. 
Who is this man? What are we going to do with Jesus, this man? How are we going to resolve this, Jesus? Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 3. He said, now all glory to God. This is Paul. He's saying, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power. Now listen to these next few words. At work within us. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. At work in us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Right here, I see these miracles happen in you, for you, through you, week after week after week. And I think to myself, where are we missing this? Every time I see a group come together and somebody comes alive in Christ, I think to myself, that's a miracle that's happening. And what am I reminded of? I'm reminded that he is able, through his mighty power, at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we thought, ask, or think. Say it with me. Let's go line by line. You ready? Say it with me. He is able. You ready? He is able. Line two, through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more. Now, this time I want you to get fired up on infinitely. You ready? To accomplish infinitely. Come on, you can do better than that. To accomplish infinitely. Y'all are about to get there now. Now, listen to these. Then we might ask or think. That's the Jesus I'm talking about. He is the miracle. He is. So the question I've got for you today is if the wind and the waves obey him, if he's in the boat with you, what are you waiting on? Because for some of you today, Jesus is saying, I'm in the boat. Hello, I'm back here. My my head is on on a cushion. And all you've got to do is say, Jesus, come, come rescue me. You say, well, Chuck, do I, do I have to join the church? No. Well, do I, do, I, do I have to get baptized? No. Well, do I have to be a part of a certain kind of denomination? No. Do I have to walk an aisle? No. Well, what do I have to do? Well, the scriptures are pretty clear. It just says, call on the name of the Lord. Who is the Lord? Jesus. How do I call on him? Well, look what the disciples did. Hello, I'm in a mess. I need some help. And the Bible says that he is faithful and just to hear you and answer you. So the question I have for you today is, what are you going to do with this man, this God man, Jesus? Do you want him in your boat with you? Because I don't know about you, but man, I'm counting on some miracles this week. He is faithful to do infinitely more immeasurably more than we could ever hope, think, ask for, or imagine. So today, maybe while you're sitting here, you'd say, Chuck, how do, I just need to know the how-to. I'm one of those people that kind of needs a list. What do I do? Well, first of all, there's really no list. There's no magic prayer, all right? It just, it sounds like this. Jesus, I need you. Step into my life. Uh, you take charge. I'm in the boat. And I need you with me. And I want to trust you with my life. And you say, but don't I need to say some type of something that sounds more spiritual? I mean, if you want to. I mean, you can chant or something. 
But I promise you, it's not necessary. Jesus is waiting to hear you in your own voice because he loves you just the way you are. And he doesn't need you to go clean up all your junk before you trust him. As a matter of fact, the scriptures are clear on that too, that while we were still in a mess, Jesus came into this mess and took us on. I, I can't believe Jesus took me on with all my, I am a mess. I, I, am, I am at times, Jen can tell you, there are times, I'm a disaster. Aren't you? Man, if, apart from Christ, man, I got no hope. So maybe today you'd say, count me in, that's me. Now, when a preacher does stuff like this, man, you never know what's going to happen. But I, I, just refuse to, I just refuse to believe that a Jesus that died in such a public place so that I and you could have life would want people to choose Jesus in some secret hideaway with heads bowed and eyes closed. And Man, I, I think Jesus says, trust me in front of the world because I died for you in front of the world. So today, if you say, I want in the boat with Jesus and I want Jesus in my boat, and Chuck, that thing you just said about asking Jesus and calling on his name, that's me. I need to deal with that today. Maybe I thought I did 30 years ago. Maybe I thought I did six years ago. Maybe I've never tried to settle that, but today I'm gonna settle that in my life. I'm gonna ask you right now, if that's the desire of your heart, I don't need heads bowed. I don't want eyes closed. I want you to have the courage and the guts to do it in front of God and everybody to just stand up right now. He's Chuck, right now, today, I'm choosing Jesus. Who is it? All it takes is one before somebody else does that. Anybody else? Father, in the name of Jesus, for each person that said, that's me, for each person that thought, I wish that were me, for every person that thought, I wish I, I, wish I could have had the courage to stand, speak into our life, fall on our lives and in this room, knowing that we need a miracle this week. Whatever it is, individually, whatever it is, familially, whatever it is, financially or emotionally, or physically. God, whatever that is, I pray you'd hear the hearts of your people as we say to you today, we're calling on you to literally get in the boat with us and work us through this with miracle after miracle, with power after power, with mercy upon mercy and grace upon grace. God, we, we trust and know that we know the answer, who is this man? It is 100% God and 100% man, the son of the living God, Jesus, the savior and Lord of this world. And it's in that name that we worship and praise. Amen, amen, and amen. Come on, let's worship the Lord a little bit.